but we're much better than what we showed against them, and this is what we're going to show them tonight. No doubt in my Listening to the 90 Plus Podcast. Here's your hosts, Ben Rigetti and Sebastian Pereira. All right, episode 48 of the 90 Plus Podcast brought to you guys by Roughneck Scarves and part of the Beautiful Game Network. I am your host, Ben Rigetti, at Rigetti Ben on Twitter. And we've got a, a good one today, a good episode, bad result for the White Caps. The Caps are coming off that. Uh, little bit of a disappointing 1-0 loss against Minnesota. They had a few chances. Definitely maybe could have pulled it back into a draw. I think a loss is a little bit harsh on them, but you'll hear my thoughts. And Ben Steiner's thoughts from BTS, the third sub-podcast pregame show in Waking the Red. He comes on to join me today. We chat about the Minnesota loss last night or Wednesday night, depending when you're hearing this. And we've got Ali Trost coming on from Sports Radio 810 Kansas, as well as the SKC show and the Final Whistle post-game show to, guess what, preview the SKC game. Who would have thought? So yeah, we've got Ali coming on later, Ben just up in a little bit to uh, a, a, a good game to break down. We got into a fair few talking points. Always got to bring the, the the free Theo reference. It's almost tough to say a little bit. Free Theo. Um, you know, I want to make sure that the 90 plus podcast, we, we stand with the, the BTS and the 86 forever and all the rest of the guys that, you know, we want to see some change up front and sure. Why the hell not? Let it be Theo. Um, and then yes, Ali coming on later. Great chat with her as well to preview everything. Always great to have reporters come on from new teams, make these new connections and make new friends on the podcast. You've got a few guys from last year and girls from last year uh, lined up for the next couple of weeks, but we've got Houston coming up next, next after Kansas city, but we'll worry about that one when we get to it. Hopefully the Whitecaps are able to score in that one so someone can win a soccer West giveaway. Unfortunately, no goals for the Whitecaps means no one was correct. And that will mean no one wins this week's giveaway. However, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, in case you are a first-time listener, A, welcome, glad to have you. Or if you just don't know what I'm going on about because you haven't really been paying attention, well, pay attention because another Whitecaps game day means another Whitecaps giveaway with our proud sponsor, Soccer West. All you need to do to enter this week's giveaway is comment who you think will be the first Whitecaps player to score this weekend for Sporting Kansas City on our game day post on either Instagram or Twitter at 90 plus podcast. If you guessed right, you'll be entered to win a $25 gift card to their Abbotsford, Langley, Vancouver, or White Rock stores. And if the Whitecaps win big, well, then you win big. If Vancouver scores five goals, we'll up it to a 2021 home jersey for the Caps. Soccer West is your go-to soccer store in Vancouver in the Fraser Valley, selling boots, balls, team merchandise, and all the rest of the equipment you need to get game ready. Be sure to visit any of the four Soccer West locations and our social media on Instagram and Twitter at 90PlusPodcast. Soccer West, supplier of all your soccer and rugby needs. Glad to have those guys on board with the podcast. And it's a shame when the Caps don't score, we're unable to give away a prize to our awesome fans, our awesome listeners. Be sure to engage with us on social media and Twitter. Fire us questions, any thoughts you have on games, comment on our posts and stuff. We've got a bunch of uh, post-game stuff and pre-game stuff, especially considering it's a short week. We've got a fair bit of stuff coming out over the next couple of days before that SKC game. So 
to get into this episode, myself, Ben Steiner, Ali Trost, awesome episode here, episode 48 of the 90 Plus Podcast. Listen all the way through. You guys are going to love it. Talk to you guys soon, and let's hope for a better result against SKC. Talk to you soon. All right, we are joined now by Ben Steiner of BTS and producer of the third sub uh, pregame show. I guess we can, I, I don't know if there is an official title, but we're going to go with that. Uh, Waking the Red as well, covering TFC and the Vancouver Whitecaps. And we're happy to have him on here, filling in Seb to recap the Whitecaps 1-0 loss. We're just recording about an hour or so after the final uh, whistle. 1-0 loss for the Whitecaps. It was, there were some promising uh, moments to take out of it, some, pl- uh, some pluses, uh, definitely a few minuses. So we'll break those down in this episode as well. I'm also, I also do write for Last Word on Soccer, as you guys know. So by the time this episode is out, my game recap is out. Be sure to go check that out as well. As well as check out our co-host for today, Ben Steiner, joining us. Well, he's in Vancouver now. He's been bouncing around between Vancouver and Toronto lately, but he's here for now and we're happy to have and Ben, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. I'd be doing a lot better if the Whitecaps came away with three points in Minnesota, but they didn't. But it was a nice day. I watched with my uh, grandfather out on the porch, uh, all masked up, and we're both vaccinated as well. So a little bit of normalcy uh, watching the game with him, as I've done for the past uh, 11 years. I know uh, I had a tweet that sort of uh, had a bit of a reach about my experience watching the Whitecaps with him over the last decade. So Mm-hmm. That, that that's cool and that's definitely a bonus of being in Vancouver but it's a lot more fun when the Whitecaps uh score and uh come away with three points well scoring and coming away with three points that seem it seems like it's asking a lot for a Whitecaps team but at the end of the day they are out there getting paid the the, the somewhat the MLS big bucks we'll say uh to go out there and put some numbers on the score sheet which they were unable to today so it's one nil final score we'll get into our opening thoughts uh, Mark DeSantos's comments after the game. It seems to be uh, a common uh, thread, I guess, so far in this show, and I'm sure over on the third sub as well, their namesake, for Christ's sake. The interesting sub pattern that Mark DeSantos uh, went after in the late stages of this one, uh, as well as just a whole bunch more about the attack. And as we all know, zero goals from open play, five games in. It's an interesting stat, one that it seems like you only find in MLS, but all that and more later on. So opening thoughts from the game, as we sort of said, it, it there were some good moments. The Whitecaps seem to have created a few more chances in the middle of the field. Deber, Caicedo, and Christian Dahomey, that link is getting stronger and stronger every day. And boy, oh boy, is it fun to watch. Uh, Dahomey leading the team as well uh, in shots. He really put in a good showing as well. So his energy to me is the biggest factor and the only reason why the white cap seem even close to menacing up front his uh his engine his work rate his his drive everything that he sort of does it all of the white caps attack goes through Dahomey. cavallini just seems to be there i mean we saw that breakaway that you know for a dp five million six million dollar striker you've got to have something better but the, the attack purely seems to be coming through Christian Dahomey right now, Ben. The attack certainly does seem to be coming through Christian Dahomey right now. And, and credit to him because he's sort of overtaken the attacking spotlight from Lucas Cavallini, who by all means had that coming into last season uh, and then not playing the MLS's back tournament, coming back in that Canadian bubble. And then heading into this season, he's certainly had the spotlight on him at the start. But with the way Christian Dahomey has been playing, 
Sure, he hasn't scored from open play yet. The entire team hasn't, but scores two goals. He's clinical from the spot, scoring a couple goals like that. And he's just been fantastic throughout. I mean, the Whitecaps, they don't seem very hopeful unless it's from Christian Dahomey, at least when the ball is on the ground. Sure, you get a couple chances from Russell Tiber crossing the ball into Lucas Cavallini. But Christian Dahomey is really the Whitecaps' only hope when they're playing the ball on the ground. And I don't know if it's just me, but he almost seems and seemed today to be getting aggravated because he has to do things himself. He's not getting help from Tybert. He's not getting help from even Caicedo. While Caicedo has been playing well, he's not necessarily linking up with Dahomey in a way that's mm-hmm. going to pay off. So Dahomey is taking long shots. He's driving through defenders and he can do it, but you're not going to win games like that. And the Whitecaps saw that tonight because they relied on Dahomey and it didn't pay off. In, in this 4-4-2 that Mark DeSantos seems to have his heart set on, it is Dahomey at the right striker, Caicedo down that right wing. Typically, you know, we've seen a very strong relationship from them. The moment Caicedo arrived in Vancouver, Dahomey seemed to have t- uh, took Caicedo under his wing. And, you know, they formed a great partnership both on and off the fields. Tonight, like you said, he seemed aggravated out there. You know, not all of his passes were connecting. Uh, and I think a part of that, down that right side is Bruno Gaspar. You've got to remember Jake Nowinski has been a staple in this white cap side for about four or five years now. Uh, this was Bruno Gaspar's, you know, the most minutes he's seen in the MLS so far, his first career MLS start. He himself, it wasn't a, a spectacular game by Gaspar. It was, I think an imp- improvement based on the glimpses of 10, 15 minutes we saw here and there in the last few games that we've seen from him. But it's such an important cog, especially in the modern day fullback of having someone who can overlap as well as underlap and cut inside, who's able to show some support there. And it just seemed like that that whole right side was a little bit off. And that's where a lot of the creativity needs to come from because all respect to Russell Tybert, he doesn't have the energy, the speed, the game-changing ability that Caicedo does. And Christian Gutierrez, while he's putting a great few performances to open up the year, he's no Ali Adnan. His offensive abilities isn't that of the DP left back. So it's, it just seems like if it's going to happen, it's not going to come through the middle because we've, we've realized that it's just not going to happen without this mysterious number 10. And I think this is a record for uh, the last few episodes of how early in the episode we mentioned the number 10. Um, but this right side just seems to hold so much uh, weight in the Whitecaps offense. And when you throw in a new cog in Bruno Gaspar, even if he's here on just a one-year loan, and even if it's just his first MLS start, you needed him to hit the ground running. And it just didn't quite seem like that tonight. Yeah, I mean, you painted the picture in the, in the three-thirds if you divide the field vertically. No hope from Tybert on the left. All credit to Tybert. He's been a valiant servant for this team over the years. And it was certainly cool to see him go up against Michael Boxall on that left side tonight. Two guys who were with the Whitecaps in 2011, who would have thought they were both going to be in the league uh, 10 years later, but in the middle, number 10, Jean-Pierre, where is he? There's a whole bunch of questions in the middle. You're not finding anything in the middle. Maybe you find something. If you play Michael Baldissimo, we can get into that in a bit. And on the right, there's promise on the right, but Mm -hmm. it just didn't link up there. I think Jake Nerwinski did a better job in his, 20 minutes that he had when he came on at the end than Bruno Gaspar did throughout the game. But I also think the potential is that Gaspar could do a lot more than Nerwinski because what's Nerwinski really going to bring to the lineup? He's going to drive forward. He's going to send in a decent cross. And he mm-hmm. does that. And he, he, he even got, got his, uh, his foot on a couple of shots tonight when he came in, uh, including one that could have very well been the winner for the Whitecaps if it had gone in. But Bruno Gaspar just looked 
sort of MLS replacement level in a lot of his play tonight. Mm-hmm. And that is the definition of Jake Nerwinski, MLS replacement level. He's nothing exceptional. So I don't think there's really a plus minus there, but I do think that Gaspar can be better and it's just going to take getting him up to speed to get there. And how do you get a player up to speed? Well, you have to play him. And that's what exactly what Mark DeSantis did tonight. I don't know about you, Ben, but I got, I, I, I've been a big Bruno Gaspar fan purely from the moment we've signed him. I, I liked Jake Nowinski. I liked what he's brought to the club, but I feel like we've seen his ceiling. We've seen what he's able to bring to this Whitecaps team in both the defense and the attack. So bringing in basically a big fat question mark with Bruno Gaspar, the one year loan move, I like to see it. You know, it's a one year low risk. You know, if it pans out, there's an option to buy. If it doesn't, you still got Jake Nowinski and then Javane Brown as well, who's been developing and just getting under the into the flow of the MLS system for a year in a year's time. But I mean, we saw there was a Ronaldo chop in the final third from Bruno Gaspar. There was a, a, a moment where it looked like he could have uh, beat uh, the Minnesota goalkeeper near side on a, a shot from inside 12 yards. I can't see Nowinski doing that Ronaldo chop. I can't see Nowinski taking on defenders one-on-one. And even though Nowinski has the MLS minutes, he's got the physicality, which to me is the biggest thing that Bruno Gaspar is lacking as of right now in the MLS. You know, it's, it's renowned for being this big physical league where players take a toll and the traveling distances and everything. It just seems mentally and physically the the big kind of the warning signs on the MLS is it's tougher and it's more physical on both your body and up against other people. So getting Bruno Gaspar, you know, his first start is great against the struggling Minnesota side. It seems like the right thing to do. Uh, A lot of people, and especially given the start that Nowinski has had to the season, four games, Maybe uh, that TFC one was a pretty, uh, not impressive, but, you know, what you'd expect out of a a common starter after a few years in the league. That uh, the last game against uh, Montreal was nearly woeful from Jake Nowinski. There was a number of chances where Max Cripo had to bail him out. So I, I don't know, at least this early in the season, how often we're going to see a sort of uh, changing of the guard between Bruno Gaspar and Jake Nowinski going back and forth, but I'm all in on this right back battle for the next season, this season. Yeah. Well, it pushes both players to be better. And if it pushes Jake Nowinski to exceed the ceiling that we think we've already seen, then I'm all for it. I was confused when they brought Gaspar in at the beginning, because it seemed to me that this wasn't the problem. Right back was Mm -hmm. never a problem for the Whitecaps. Jake Nerwinski is is fine. He's MLS replacement level. He's not going to win you a championship, but he's not going to lose you a game either. He's perfectly fine. He'll get you mid-table, and that's what the Whitecaps are at, at this point. Yeah. You bring in Gaspar, sure, it's an improvement, and I'll take an improvement any time, but it wasn't needed. No, I, it's clear what's needed on the pitch, and that's a number 10. I think we've already mentioned it three times on the podcast tonight is that they just need a number 10 because the middle of the pitch is where chances go to die for the white caps, especially when you're up against a guy like Osvaldo Alonso in the midfield, but right back wasn't really a place where they needed to improve. They did improve, but it certainly didn't pay off tonight uh, because I don't think we've seen what Bruno Gaspar can really offer yet. Maybe a glimpse with a few of the, the techers that he showed, but mm-hmm. techers don't win you football matches. 
Well, they sure win you style points and fan love. And I'll tell you what, right now, especially given the last few years that the Whitecaps have been through, the white, you know, the fans that that are still there and that are still listening to these podcasts. A, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, and B, you know, the the, the the culture in Vancouver, you know, it's not going to be a right back that the city falls in love with. But you know, it, 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 this the style and this mentality. They fell in love with a left back. Have they fallen in love? I mean, Christian, I mean, Rich left back right now. Christian Gutierrez. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember when Ali Adnan was coming into this team? The Whitecaps. Were, and he missed a penalty four minutes into his debut. They were bottom dwellers. <laughs> and, and Ali Adnan comes in. He's just exciting player. He comes in on loan. He played in Italy. Yeah. He comes in. He is clearly the Whitecaps best player and they need, want to sign him. They signed him to a DP contract, but everyone was an Ali Adnan fan at that point. Yeah. Now, of course, there's the calls to sell him because Christian Gutierrez looks like he's fine mm. left back, but uh, the, people can fall in love with a fullback and they've, they've done that uh, with Ali Adnan. So maybe mm-hmm. they do that with Bruno Gaspar um, and Time both of them certainly have Deckers. And we, we brought this up and it's kind of going back to an old point that I've kind of been into the death, especially during last season. But, you know, Ali Adnan, he came to the club there was no battle at left back. He came in, he got the DP job and, you know, it was, it was the left back spot. There was never any competition. Like the closest was like PC gyro. And that's, you know, a, a time that no white cap fan wants to relive. They bring in Christian Gutierrez and, you know, they, everyone's still thinking, Oh, it's just depth. He's never going to dethrone the lion. That is Ali Adnan. A very impressive MLS's back tournament, a good-looking Canadian bubble, and you know Ali Adnan's lost his job, and he had to work hard. He had to elevate his game. He had to. And Mark DeSantos spoke on it last year that Ali Adnan rapidly improved uh, his mentality about training, uh, the intensity that they saw during training, doing all the little things uh, just that much better, and he won his starting job back. And then he became the Whitecaps Player of the Season, and that those. Inter-squad battles are so key in every position. You've got Max Capo and Thomas Assal, you know, Bruno Gaspar, Jake Nowinski. We've got an overly crowded center midfield room and it brings out the best in players. But at the same time, it also shows you who can elevate their game and then where some of the ceilings are for players that you may not have known. I mean, it's, you know, bringing in Kyle Ashandre, I'm glad that he's with the team. The team needed a player like him. Patrick Metcalf, his playing minutes just got pushed that much further down the, the pecking order. Uh, you know, we didn't, we, when we thought it was going to be a 4 3 3 this year, we were thinking Russell Tybert, you know, he's not going to get a start over Awusu, Baldissimo, Alessandre, Bikel. You know, it, it's a crowded center midfield room. So it's the, these little battles, they do bring out the best in a lot of these players. And getting these 20 minutes, like Leo Wusu did, and like Jake Nowinski did, and 45 minutes for a Derek Cornelius coming back from injury, who there were a lot of question marks about coming into this season. And it didn't help, you know, not really getting a full preseason. Uh, the Canadian men, the, the Canadian U23 team almost qualifying, coming up a little bit short for the Olympics. There were a lot of question marks about how valuable is Derek Cornelius going to be to this team. And these 45-minute performances, these 20-minute performances, they get you so much more confidence and back into the groove of things than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, they're definitely helpful. But in the end, you want to see squad rotation. And I know that uh, Alex Gonge-Ruzic asked the question tonight to Mark DeSantos about squad rotation. And DeSantos said that it's not something that is really done within the club, especially mm-hmm. when you're not seeing training every day. But it is fun for the fans to see new, new players come in uh, and new faces on the pitch. But I do think you have to look at 
squad rotation, not because your guys are necessarily tired, but because you need that morale throughout the team of getting playing minutes. Because if you're Theo Bear, are you, what are you thinking right now? Sure, you have to train better. And Mark Dos Santos has called him out. But what are you training for? Because it seems like you're so far out of the picture that there's almost not worth putting an effort in. And I know that might not be something that athletes will necessarily agree with, but if you're not getting time, that's got to affect you in some way. So even those 20, 45 minute spells are great, but you also need to, to get that start. And I think Derek Cornelius needs that start eventually, because I think he offers something going forward as well. He's, you can throw him up in the attack. I know on the, the pregame show, we talked about Derek Cornelius potentially playing a striker just to yeah. get some height up there because the Whitecaps really don't have anything other than set pieces and crosses. So you got to get guys some time and it's not all about squad rotation and resting legs. It's about, we have it. The, the Whitecaps have a deep team and you have to use that depth because for example, Michael Baldissimo is on your bench. Michael Baldissimo has some of the best progressive passes in all of MLS. Why would you not want that on the field? when your midfield is somewhere where chances go to die, oftentimes you're passing it back to the center backs. So you put Baldissimo there, he's going to take a chance. He's going to take a run. And in a game like the game we saw against Minnesota tonight, that might be worthwhile because the Whitecaps need to create chances. Sure. They created more chances than usual, but imagine how many more they could have created if they had somebody who played the ball forward in Pat Malkalf or Michael Baldissimo. This may be a tough question to ask uh, you, Ben, especially given that you've had basically no time to come up with an answer. I'm going to spring it on you anyway. Um, actually, I'll go first. I'll give you kind of a minute to kind of think about it. To what extent do you change the team going up against a tough-to-judge Kansas City team? They've, they've lost a couple of games that they've won, uh, they should have won. They've won a couple of games that they maybe should have lost. It's been a weird season for a sporting Kansas City team. Uh, you know, it's it's a busy week. You know, they've they played uh, last weekend, a midweek game flying in and out on the same day. It's never easy for a team. Uh, and then they're going back home, back to the altitude, which I'm you know, it's tough to say sitting in my basement in here in Vancouver. But it's tough to say at what point do are the Whitecaps comfortable with this altitude? Kansas City is a physical team. They're more physical than Minnesota. They may not be as technically skilled, but it's a, it is a battle and it's going to be a war of attrition, I think, going up against this Kansas City team. Uh, Alan Polito, you know, we, we, we know what he's able to do. He's a, he's a fantastic stri- striker for SKC. You know, how, how extensively do you change this team? You know, Mark DeSanto said in the post game that, you know, it, 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 this is a team that's raring to go. They want to play games. All of them want to play minutes. How much of that do you buy? And how much are you changing this team if you're Marcus Santos before Sunday? Unfortunately for the Whitecaps, I think the game against Sporting Kansas City is a game that you're playing for a draw. I think tonight's game against Minnesota was go out and win the game. They didn't do that. But they just have to get the draw against Kansas City because it's unfortunate the fact that the Whitecaps can't really go head to head with Kansas city. At least I don't believe just yet. Mm-hmm. I think they're well on their way to going head to head. But if you look at Kansas city's lineup, you have Johnny Russell, Johnny Russell's uh, caused havoc for the Whitecaps throughout the years. He was critical in that six, nothing win that they had at children's mercy park a few years ago. Uh, and you look throughout their lineup, Alan Polito, you know what he can do. Kiri Shelton, a super draft pick. He's great down the left-hand side. Uh, and then you have Gadi Kinda, Giancarlo Busio, 
Like they're a good team and the Whitecaps, I don't think they can really go head to head with them, but, and they're not going to score from open play. Right. So you have to take that out of the picture. (laughs) So you have to either build your team around potentially scoring off a set piece and it's a smash and grab win, or you're playing for a draw and that draw, I think you have to start Cornelius. I think he's a better defender than Rose and Cornelius also offers something going forward. If you're going to do the smash and grab, Mm -hmm. um, I would like to see Baldissimo in there, but part of me also thinks you put in a Wusu and just solidify that midfield, even take Alessandre out and put in a Wusu, make sure nothing can come through that midfield. Sure. It's not watertight, especially when you have Polito attacking it, but it's a bit more solid than if you have sort of a, a guy who wants to go forward a bit more. Um, but this Whitecaps team at this point, I don't think they're beating Kansas city unless it comes from a set piece. Uh, and if you're going to beat them off a set piece, then put all your set pieces on the table, uh, set piece pieces on the table. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, I mean, sporting Kansas city is going to come out and they're going to play chess. The white caps are going to come in and they'll have to play checkers if they're going to find anything. Christ, they can be playing back a Garmin though. I'll take it. I mean, it's really like, it's, uh, you know, it's. It, the, the, the I, I will agree disagree with you on uh, the one part. To me, Andy Rose is one of the few things that right now as a Whitecaps fan, I can consistently rely on, it seems. he First off, he's second in the team in scoring. How can you take that out? Um, but no, and then you look at, you know, um, it was unfortunate that he picked up an injury uh, today because I think he was he was uh, the White Caps' best defender out there through those first forty five minutes. And I know that the Christian Gutierrez fans may come at me, but come at me at Rigetti then on Twitter if you want to, you know, have a go. Um, to me, Andy, you know, you look at some of the goals that the Whitecaps have conceded this year. You know, they they shut out a Portland offense, they shut out Montreal. Max Rippo may have bailed them out a few times there, but so be it. They let in one calamity of a goal against Toronto and then one unfortunate, you know, Benny Hill style, you know, set of errors uh, in that equalizing goal for TFC. And you give up a free kick, uh, a scorching free kick from uh, Ricky Rubio against Colorado on a foul that wasn't even a foul. Uh, and that's and then Andy Rose wasn't on the field for the goal tonight. To me, I'm thinking that you know he's he's strong on the ball, and Mark DeSanto seems pretty keen and pretty set on wanting to start the ball from these center backs and having them you know be comfortable and be willing to drive up the field 15, 20 yards and then start to distribute the ball. Um, Bruno Gaspar, a big question mark, and Jake Nowinski hasn't performed as well as he ha- we'd like to have seen this season. Ranko seems. 80% there. I think some of his, there's a, almost still, not necessarily rust, but I just think that he he's still so young. And that, that's such a big part of this entire Whitecaps back line. Ranko's young, Cornelius is young, Christian Gutierrez is young. There's a lot of inexperienced players out there. Would you not like to have someone like Andy Rose with many years of experience with, you know, he's working towards getting his coaching degree. He sees the field very well. Him and Max Capo have a great leadership sort of relationship. To me, I'm keeping Andy Rose out there. If I'm making a change, I'm thinking it's going to be Ranko at this point. I've liked what Ranko has offered. And if you're trying to get something going forward, I do feel that Ranko offers something a bit more than Andy Rose. Andy Rose certainly does offer something going forward, but I think, a center back pairing of Ranko Veselinovic and Derek Cornelius. Sure. It's going to be young. It's going to be a little unnerving, but there might be something there. And Andy Rose isn't going to be around forever. 
if the Whitecaps are already looking at this game as a potential loss, why not sort of make it a bit of a development game for okay. that potential pairing? Because I think if you look at the entire sort of center back situation, is Eric Godoy going to play again? You'd hope so, but <laughs> he's so chronically injured that I just can't rely on him yeah. uh, to be a Whitecaps defender for the foreseeable future. But the two guys that I see looking at the Whitecaps lineup are Veselinovic and Cornelius. That mm-hmm. seems like something that could work, that could be good, especially looking ahead. And that's something that I think the Whitecaps should try out in a game that they're probably not going to win anyways. I can agree. I can, I can most, again, I'll mostly agree with you on that. I think, you know, the Andy Rose bring, you know, coming off, that's an injury at halftime. That's unfortunate. I think even if, you know, it, it gets to, if it's zero, zero in the 60th minute, maybe then I'd say, you know what, throw Derek Cornelius on, um, try sure up this game. You know, it didn't look like there was getting a lot going forward. Let's sure up the back. If it's nil, nil, Coming off at halftime, that's unfortunate, especially if it's an injury-related uh, purpose. But I, I just think that Derek Cornelius, he, he, he's shown a lot. But again, he's one of those players that he needs minutes. He needs a leadership veteran. He, he, he's not the Batman. And to me, if you're in a, if you're in a partnership of Rose and Veselinovic, Rose can be your Batman. Rose can be the one who, who commands a lot more of the play, who can deal with a bit more of the physicality of the work. Ranko can uh, pick up in some of the areas that Andy Rose may not be the best at, where, which may be some of these long ball passes uh, necessarily straight up on the ball, man-on-man marking. Uh, that's where Ranko uh, excels in some of these areas, and that's where Rose maybe tails off. To me, Derek Cornelius and Ranko Veselinovic, I'd, I think if you give me four years, if you come back to me in, what was it, 2021? 2025. If you come back to me in a few years' time and you say Cornelius and Ranko, they've been playing together consistently for a few years. They've built up a strong trust. You know, at that point, I'll say, okay, I'll happily, you know, not settle, but I'll be pretty happy with those two in my, as my back pairing. I, I need someone, especially in a uh, position as important as center back, especially someone with who, like Andy Rose, with MLS experience. And Alan Polito, uh, we've seen what some of these veteran, what Chris Wondolowski has been able to do, these veteran MLS strikers that are a bit more physical, not necessarily the quick, shifty strikers that we're sort of seeing that small switch to. Those big physical, meet you in the air, come and have a go sort of strikers. You know, it's they're a dying breed, but until they do die off, I want someone with experience playing against them in many levels of the game. That's Andy Rose for me. So the development, fair enough, but at in the stage of the game that it was nil-nil at halftime, I wouldn't be looking at it development-wise at that stage. Yeah, I mean, it, that makes sense, but I also think you have to look at it sort of in the bigger picture and realize that the centre-back pairing is not the problem for the Whitecaps. No. They've conceded very few goals this season, but... Mm-hmm. It, it's the other side of the pitch that's the major problem. You look mm-hmm. at Cavallini, and Cavallini's not done much. His performance tonight, <laughs> I would say it's abysmal what he's what he did tonight. He has a chance on a breakaway. You expect a lot more from a guy that's one of the most expensive transfers in club yeah. history, mm-hmm. and he just fumbles the ball. He's not he's not fast. We we know that, but he could have done a lot better on that opportunity. Whether it's taking the ball, controlling it, and going one on one because he has skills one on one. Uh, mm-hmm. finding Dahomey somehow. Um, but Cavallini has to do better in all aspects of his game. Um, Dahomey's fine. I would like to see a, che- see, see a change at striker. 
I would like to see Theo Bear get a chance. I would like when to see free even, Theo, uh, free yeah, that man, free Theo. that boy on the bench. Get him on the field. Uh, it would be awesome to get him on the field. I think him and Dahomey driving forward that'd be incredible. Um, you, you take a look at what what Theo Bear did against Montreal last year. It's fantastic. Coming down the right side and firing it in from the top of the box. That's exactly what the Whitecaps need right now. Yeah. He can penetrate back lines. And if you have him and Dahomey going ahead, well, you have Cavallini in bad form. Why not give Theo Bear a shot? Um, mm-hmm. I know we're not seeing training. I know we're not on the beat as much as we would like to be in a normal year. But things can't get any more dire for the Whitecaps at the attacking side of the pitch. So whether it's Ryan Raposo, whether it's Michael Baldissimo in the midfield, whether it's really anything, just mm. change something. It's not about seeing new faces just for fun. It's about wanting to see the team score and win games. And <laughs> Lucas Cavallini, for all that he is, for the DP striker, for one of Canada's most successful players on the world currently, he's not offering that to the Whitecaps right now. And if Mark Dos Santos wants to preach about teaching lessons and everything, well, then you take Cavallini out of the lineup because <laughs> he needs to work harder to score and if you want yeah. to teach him a lesson take him out of the lineup put the bear in i trust that the bear has been a bit better of course we can't see that um mm. but something's got to change in the attacking side and i think it probably has to involve lucas cavallini especially in a game that's coming on in just a few days rest there was a moment in and around the 50 55th minute of this game tonight where i, I can't remember I, I off the top of my head i can't remember which minnesota united player but there was a nice little one-two in the middle of the park. Not necessarily the middle, the attacking third from Minnesota. They're coming in towards the Whitecaps end. A nice little one-two, and they shot from 25, 30 yards. I can't remember the last time the Whitecaps had a decent set of play and just had a shot from 30 yards. I know Lucas Cavallini's big and strong in the air, and if he's in and around the six-yard box, he will finish that ball. I think I think all, uh, the stat was either six of seven or all seven goals for Lucas Cavallini in the MLS regular season have been first-time finishes, whether that's headers or volleys or whatever have you. They've all, he hasn't dribbled, he hasn't, you know, done all these fancy flicks or whatever. He's got the ball and he smashed it home from in close. I am, And you look at the, the center midfield pairing, Jenny Obikel isn't going to shoot from that distance. Kyle Ashandre can, but he's almost playing too far back to be in these sort of positions. Caicedo, his shot isn't the strongest. Uh, sort of the same with Dahomey. Russell Tiber, if he wants to have a pop, go at it, son. But to me, uh, that, I was really excited when they drafted David Egbo out of Akron. And the day of we, the day of the draft, we uh, on 90 Plus, we talked to Jared Embick, who was the uh, Akron men's soccer team head coach. And we just want to find out a bit more about what David's able to do. And the biggest thing that uh, Jared Embick said is that this kid will shoot from any anywhere that's scoring range, he will shoot. And I know that, you know, the realistically, the list of strikers goes Cavallini, Bear, Ricketts, Egbo. I know he's down at the bottom of the, the pot right now. But just that mentality of get me, you know, get me the ball close to goal and at the very least trouble the goalkeeper even if it's off target make the keeper move and worry and then that opens up that space defenders may be closing you down from 30 yards out and that opens up space in behind a little bit it just does so much more if you're willing to shoot from distance and i'm absolutely i I said this on the last episode and i'm going to say it on this one and i'm going to say on the next one for the love of god don't 
you know, we see we see what uh, Arsenal are doing, and they're trying to walk the ball into the net over in England. They're getting 15 passes inside the 18-yard box before they're having a shot. The Whitecaps, A, you know, Arsenal aren't a great club to model after, especially their attack. B, you know, you've just, you've got players that can shoot from distance. And the MLS, we've seen 15 goal of the year nominations in the first five match days, all of which are just long range screamers. Just have a go. I mean, though you can't win goal of the year off a penalty. You're going to get it from 30 yards and a banger. And the Whitecaps need anything. And if it's from distance, so be it. At this point, give David Igbo a run. You're not getting anything yes. from these strikers other than Dahomey. So what's there to lose? Just any changes. And it's not just because we want to see a new face and that's fun to cover, that's fun to talk about. The Whitecaps have to score goals if they're going to win games. Yeah. And they're not doing that with Lucas Cavalier. I'm going to cut you off real quick. Russell Tybert said at the end of, uh, in the, the post-game press conference after this one that you know, if the team plays like the way that they did tonight, they'll put themselves in position to win games. And that phrasing for me, put them in position to win games, that really gets under my skin because it doesn't, you know, if you play well and you lose, so be it, fair enough. You At the end of the day, playing well isn't going to get you into the playoffs. And the, the whole mentality of this year for the Whitecaps is playoffs or bust. You know, we will be in the playoffs or else, this three-year plan of DeSantos, it's gone. And he knows, you know, realistically, if they don't make the playoffs, if they're not playing competitive matches in November, Mark DeSantos is out the door. It's he I don't I'm not, I'm gonna have to stop you there. Okay. Because I don't think Mark DeSantos is out the door if the White Caps don't make the playoffs. If the White Caps continue playing the way they do and they don't score an open play goal throughout the season, sure, Mark DeSantos is out the door. But if they're promising and I'll side with Russell Tybert on this one. If they play the way they did tonight to put themselves in position to win, mm-hmm. I think Mark DeSanto stays because look at what he's been dealt with. He was dealt with in his first year, a team that was a write-off from the minute yeah. he signed on. Robo tore, blew this team up before, as he was on his way out the door. Uh, Marvin Emnez, Nose Igbor, you could go on about sort of the disaster that was the Whitecaps that Robinson left and DeSanto's inherited. And then 2020, well, we all know what 2020 was. He got two games of sort of Mark mm-hmm. Dos Santos, MLS head coach, and then a few months off, the Orlando bubble with basically a second team coming back, Canadian bubble against two quite good teams, and then playing in Portland. That's not exactly a fair deck of cards. And then this season, they're living in in, uh, in Salt Lake City mm-hmm. or Sandy, Utah. That's not really a fair deck of cards either, especially if they can't come home after these three months. So I think... You extend Dos Santos for one more year mm-hmm. and give him a shot in a regular atmosphere, assuming that everything's sort of back okay. to the new normal uh, in 2022, I guess it would be. Um, but he hasn't really gotten a fair kick of the can yet, I don't think. And you can't sack him because no. I think the, the, he is the right coach for the White Cavs. Mm-hmm. But what he, the situation that he's been given is extremely tough. I think the White Cavs even have a number 10 if they're playing in Vancouver. Because what number 10 wants to come here, sign, yeah. move? It's it's all confusing. Half these guys, Diver Caicedo, Cairo Alexandre, they haven't even been to Vancouver yet, yet they're playing for the Whitecaps. Um, so it's it, it, he hasn't been dealt a fair deck of cards. Um, and so I think he gets at least one more year at the helm of the Whitecaps. I hear you. And I'm going to stir off this 
topic soon just because it can be a messy one to go down especially five games into the season it's but you know the 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 whole idea you know i respect that you know it's been a very tough three years for mark DeSantos, and he's laid a lot of the groundwork but the the way that i'm thinking you know it at the end of the day regardless of you know playing in orlando then playing in portland and inheriting a, a team that was in turmoil from robbo and you know, starting to put these pieces together. Three years is a long time. And in, you know, we, you know, in the MLS, you get a little bit of a longer leash than what you may be, you know, what we may see over in Europe and everything. But to me, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking that, how, you know, he's laid the groundwork and he's got it all right. He, and he's done a very good job at, you know, not starting from square one, but, you know, putting a real stamp on this team and trying to create an identity. I just don't know how much further he can take the team. He's rebuilt it and he, he's done a very good job given the difficult situations. But is he the guy to elevate this team and to make them go from playoff, you know, bubble to title contenders, which, you know, I'm not saying the Whitecaps are title contenders, but it's, they're, they're, they're a step or two away. And, you know, this number 10, there's only this like you know we we all know that you know what he can bring whoever he is if it is Jean Pierre because apparently links have resurfaced I haven't really dove a whole lot into that I'm not trusting Glass City, um, but it's no I just think that at the end of the day I don't know how much further he can take them than this sort of mediocre it's a good year if we make the playoffs I don't want that to be the barrier for a young team with a lot of promise. You know, I like the move of bringing in Rico Clark to develop these youngsters one-on-one. I'm not saying he's going to be the head coach of the future. I just think that there's a lot of pieces around this organization that are in the right place. And I think Mark's in the right place right now, but I just don't know down the line. But that's that's a topic for another day and another episode. And we'll have to have you on later in the year to dive into that. So before we wrap up, because this is uh, stretched a little bit longer, um ben first off thank you very much for joining us on 90 plus and before we go can we get a little bit of a uh what what are you expecting to see this sunday uh against kansas city the whitecaps this sunday well they're just gonna have to come out and they're going to just have to buckle down it's going to be a defensive performance it's almost going to have to line up the way that minnesota lined up tonight against the whitecaps a win for the whitecaps is a draw because mm-hmm. I don't think they're anywhere near as good as Kansas City is. I can sure, Kansas that. City lost tonight, but the Whitecaps are nowhere near as good as Kansas City. And a win is one point. Well, Ben, thank you very much for joining us. Great chatting. I know we've kind of interacted a little bit over the last year or so that at least we, me and Sebastian have been covering the team. But it's nice to finally have you on. And, you know, we'll have to have you back on again before you leave us for Toronto and get back going with all the walk, waking the red, not walking the red. I've learned that mistake before. We had Michael Singh come on a few episodes ago and I made sure not to get that wrong in front of uh, the boss man himself. So Ben, thank you very much for joining us. That was our recap of the Whitecaps 1-0 loss against Minnesota here on, it is Wednesday, on Wednesday nights. I'm sure you guys will be hearing this sometime Thursday or over the next couple of days. We have Ali Trost coming in in a minute from Sports Radio 810 Kansas City. Going to give you a quick little preview to see what we're going to, 
you know, he, I'm hoping that she's able to give a little bit more uh, info, at least from Kansas City's perspective, about what the Whitecaps may be facing. Because, I mean, at this point, who the hell knows what the Whitecaps are going to be looking like on Sunday. So, Ben, thank you for coming on episode 48 of the 90 Plus Podcast. All right, we are now joined by Ali Trost of Sports Radio 810 Kansas City and co-host of the SKC show and the final whistle postgame show. Joining us from Kansas City, Missouri. Ali, how are you doing this? I guess it's morning still. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Good. We're, ha- we're glad to have you on. I don't think we've ever had someone come on from SKC, so we're, we're happy to have you. Happy to be the first. Yeah, so we'll get right on into it. Uh, Midweek games, you know, it's always a busy time for, uh, you know, a lot of the teams, especially if they're playing these away games. You see a lot of these sort of fly-in, play, fly-out sort of games. SKC is fresh off a a 1-0 loss against Houston. Can you just sort of break down in a nutshell what you saw last night? Yeah, well, you know, for starters, Sporting Kansas City, like all teams dealing with the midweek game, have to get creative with the lineup because you want to make sure that you're not pushing certain players too hard. And for Sporting in particular, dealing with some key injuries um, is is really what has hurt them at this point in the season. It's kind of hard to tell who they are right now just because they haven't had their full complement of players available. The big thing from last night, the maybe main takeaway is the fact that they lost Johnny Russell in the first 20 minutes. He he left the game with a groin injury. That's never good because he had just started getting back in the swing of things. He is a key player for them in the attack. Um, and then when it comes to, to the defensive side, they have two center backs right now dealing with tweaks of their own. So they had to get creative there as well. We saw... Um, Elie Sanchez, their their typical defensive mid number six, playing uh, alongside Andre Fontes at center back. So a couple of lineup changes. I'd say the beginning of the game looked a bit rocky. It just, you know, they were having a hard time finding that continuity. And then it was really the second half when you started to see a lot more chances created and and sporting starting to find their rhythm quite a bit. Um, but just couldn't finish any of their chances. And that's really been the story, I think, the last two games. And, you know, that the win, the come from behind win over Austin FC and then in the loss to Houston. Some mm-hmm. some great chances, some, yeah. you know, not just in quantity, but in quality, but just not uh, an ability to finish. And, you know, I, I think another thing, too, is just not getting Alan Polito, their, their star number nine, the ball, Quite enough. So that's uh, that's going to be something too, you know, moving forward. It's, it's not just creating those chances and, and getting the ball in dangerous positions, but it's getting it to the right people and Alan Polito being one of those for sure. So the finishing's definitely got to improve, but, you know, they haven't given opposing teams in the last two games. I mean, that real Salt Lake game, they definitely got exposed quite a bit. Um, but in, in the Austin game and in the game against Houston, they didn't give either team a lot of chances, but the chance, the very few chances or chance that both yeah. teams got, they capitalized on. And that's really tough. Al, you're starting to sound a lot like a Whitecaps fan already. Just five I, minutes into this interview, not taking their chances, a couple of injuries and everything. It's really starting to sound familiar. I haven't watched a, a lot of them this season, but I know enough. I to envy know you. <laughs> I know enough to know that they're kind of in the same boat in that sense. They are. They are. It's... um. So the, the big, you know, storyline going around is we're five games in and we haven't scored an open play goal so far. A, yeah. pair of, a pair of penalties, a free kick and a pair of corners. It's, 
you know, you're getting the ball in the back of the net and you're defending pretty well, but, you know, there's only so long a defense can hold out without the attackers getting on the end of the ball. And like you said, getting it to the right players. They've got Lucas Cavallini, who doesn't get too, too involved in a lot of build-up play. He's really a sort of right place, right time sort of finisher. He was in the right place, but wasn't able to finish last night. But we we broke that down earlier in the episode anyway. So we're here to talk about Kansas City. Uh, you mentioned uh, a big name there. Johnny Russell picked up an injury. Is there any word yet on how serious that could be? Could you see, even if it, considering it's a short week, would we maybe see him at least rested for the first half or something against uh, the Whitecaps? Or... Because he he he's a fan he's a player that a lot of Whitecaps fans are still having nightmares about from Children Mercy's part oh, a few yeah. years ago. <laughs> oh, that was oh my gosh! I completely forgot about yeah. That was an unforgettable game for sure. Um, no update yet on his status. I'm sure we'll find out more uh, maybe tomorrow on on Friday ahead of mm. the match on Sunday. I would be shocked if he were to play. Um, I think on on. If we're looking at the maybe positive in this, it, he did take himself out of the game. You know, mm-hmm. most veterans usually can tell pretty, in, unless it's like a major injury, but if it's like a, you know, a tweak or something like that, they're pretty quick to recognize and, and remove themselves. So I think that was a positive, you know, hopefully that maybe prevents it from being as serious as it could have turned into if he had tried to play through. Um, I would be really surprised if we saw him in the game on Sunday, mm-hmm. he had just, for the first time played a full 90 minutes against Austin. So, you know, they'd already been pretty careful with him and his, his minutes and workload this season. So I would probably just say it's a safe bet to assume Johnny Russell will not play on Sunday. Um, but again, we'll find out more when we hear from Peter Vermees and, and get an update. I'm sure they're getting, mm. that he's getting evaluated today. Uh, so speaking of Peter Vermees, it's, you know, the, the start of the season, it's it's really tough to gauge a lot on how a team is looking, especially like you say, it's, you know, MLS. I don't, I don't know about Kansas City per se, but I don't think the Whitecaps have ever started an MLS season with a fully healthy roster. So given, you know, injuries and small sample sizes and players working off rust and everything, how much can you really take from these first five, six games or so that Kansas City have played moving forward and looking ahead to the rest of the year? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's really hard to take a lot or put a lot of stock into what we've seen from just about every team, except for maybe the Seattle Sounders. Uh, they're looking pretty good. But outside of that, you know, teams just dealing with a number of different things, such as injury or, or you know, whatever you want to, whatever different factors mm-hmm. are contributing to maybe some inconsistent play. Um, I mean, like, let's look at Minnesota, for example. Like, what the what the heck's going on there? Um, we, we don't want to talk about Minnesota anymore. Oh, yeah, after. You know, I, I know, I'm sure. But hey, I guess good for them that they're finally able to stop the bleeding. Um, no, but, you know, I think what we can take from what we've seen so far with Sporting Kansas City, and I want to make sure to make a point of this as well. They've been playing without their starting goalkeeper, Tim Melia, which I would argue has a great impact on what they're able to do on the field. We haven't gotten to see a lot from their new center back signing, Nicholas Isimat Marin, who looked really good through the first game and a half that he played. It looked like they found that complimentary pair back there with him and Andre Ufantas. And now we've kind of seen another revolving door type situation at that that other center back position which we saw quite a bit last year we saw a number of different rotations back there and you know consistency is key that's that's something that you know not just Vermees but many coaches rely on is having consistency in the lineup and Mm -hmm. when when something's working you stick with it so 
when injuries disrupt that, it makes it really tough. So I think it's kind of hard to tell in certain positions, but I guess one key takeaway is that, you know, John Luca Busio has been a versatile piece for sporting Kansas city. He's gotten more and more um, consistent reps at his natural position in the attack as an attacking midfielder, but we've seen him playing uh, at the nine for them. We've seen him last season at the six and who knows, maybe with the absence of Johnny Russell, we'll see him out on the wing. We saw that last season as well. So um, I think that, there are a couple of things that you can kind of look at it as some positives. Daniel Shallowy finally climbing him, climbing out of that hole that he had been in the last couple of seasons after a huge 2018. So there are things that are coming together and working well, but it's just, it's so hard to tell when you don't have, um, you know, so many players mm-hmm. consistently available that, you know, are key parts of this team. And so I think until they have those players available and can run them out there um, together for extended periods of time, like a full 90 minutes, it's going to be really hard to say, but I think the fact that they, you know, have one, two lost to and, and drawn with again, no Tim Melia and a number of different players, either playing out of position or, or just different rotations. You can't get, you can't be too down about that. So I think, you know, the other thing too, is at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the season, they were not possessing the way in which we know sporting Kansas city to typically, you know, the way mm-hmm. that they've typically done. Um, and then they weren't creating a lot of chances in those first three games. In the last two games, they've been creating those chances. Um, and session, but creating chances doesn't matter if you can't put them away. So uh, that's something, you know, I think look for ways in which they are, are trying to get more creative or more clinical around the net, because that's going to be huge. If, if, if you can't stop the one or two chances that the opposing team gets, but you get a, mm-hmm. a handful or, you know, more than a handful of chances yourself, you know, that's, you're not going to win games that way. That's fair. And, you know, it, the, you're really speaking the Whitecaps language here of center back rotation and trying to keep it consistent, but finding it difficult. You're really it's you're painting a similar picture to what we've seen in the first month or so um, for Kansas City, at least, you know, the, the Whitecaps have been pretty consistent in their formations and their lineups, given uh, the some of the injuries that they've faced and some visa problems, quarantining, whatever else they've had, to, the other hurdles they've had to go through. What sort of lineup, you know, you mentioned that the possession that Kansas City likes to play, what sort of uh, formation and playing style do you think we're going to see on uh, this weekend? Well, I think you can expect to see the traditional 4-3-3. Vermees doesn't often change the formation. It's just who's playing where Uh, that might be tweaked. I think a couple of positions to watch for um, center back, definitely one of those, Um, you know, the fact that that Vermees opted to play Elie at center back instead of Kaveh Rad, uh, one of the young homegrown signings this season, or Graham Smith, who they drafted a couple of years ago, um, who who got a decent amount of minutes last year and then even some starts, but um, just doesn't seem to be a high up on the depth chart enough to, you know, pull Elie out of position and playing him at center back. So I think definitely keep an eye on, on who goes out on Sunday and the center back role next to Andre Ufantas. I think he's a lock uh, for that one starting spot, but with Puncic and Isimat Marin both coming back from injury, it's just hard to know what their status is. Um, so that's definitely a position, you know, an area to watch. Um, the, the next one would be out on the wings, you know, Johnny Russell, like I said, probably not going to play in that game. We talked on our post game show after, you know, on Wednesday night. Well, we've seen Grant, we've seen Graham Zussi out on the wing before, you know, he plays more of a wing back position now, and he's coming back from a season ending injury last year, but don't be surprised if, if they put him out on the, uh, out on the left or the, or on the right wing, 
uh, rather for, for sporting in this game, just with the absence of Johnny Russell. Um, and then in the midfield, I think it's pretty much going forward now going to be for sure. John Luca Busio at the 10, and then it's just a matter of who plays where after that, you know, they've got mm-hmm. Gotti Kinda, they've got Roger Espinoza, they've got, Remy Walter, and then they've got Elie Sanchez, of course, but Remy can play at the six. We've seen Busio play at the six, but I think, you know, we've seen him now at the 10 for the last couple of games. And I think that the plan is, and I mean, I, I would hope to see him play more and more in that role so that he can really keep growing within that position, but expect to see a four, three, three, but looking at the center back position and looking out on the wing to who might come in and play just with injuries, that's going to be something to watch for. Well, Ali, I think that's just about going to wrap up our time. So we do appreciate you coming on. Just before we let you go, are we able to get a score prediction for this Sunday? Ooh, well, it's tough because Sporting's created some chances here, but they yeah. haven't necessarily put them away. So, um, you know, playing in front of the the home crowd, we saw a really thrilling two two to one come from behind win against Austin. Uh, late game goals, but you know, hoping to see Sporting maybe get some chances put away early uh, in games here. So I'm going to say a two to one win again. We're going to do another mm-hmm. two to one win for <laughs> Sporting Kansas City. Oh, okay, I'll, I'm. I'm. We talked about it on the earlier part of the episode with uh, uh, another Whitecaps reporter, Ben Steiner, and we were sort of. Talk, chatting and we're saying that you know this is going to be a I we're thinking this could be a bit more of a reality check for the white caps that you know their lack of chances and their inability to move forward in numbers could sort of show up against a team as solid compact and that can possess the ball as well as Kansas City it's been a very kind of sit back soak up a lot of pressure spring forward on the counter which it, it, it can it can work, but it hasn't worked as well as the White Caps would have liked. Obviously, no goals to show for it in open play. That's a mm-hmm. that's a big goose egg laying on the the stat sheet there. And set pieces, you know, they'll they'll come and go in any game, so you can't really consistently play for that. So um, I'm going to go for a two nil Kansas City win. I think it's going to be a a bit of a, a rude awakening, I think, for the White Caps and a little bit of an early season kind of time to change some things around because. What's up front clearly isn't working, but that's that's not yeah. your problem. That's well, <laughs> that's for us to worry about next well, hey, episode. Sporting Kansas City fans would love to see a clean sheet. You know, this yeah. is a team that, um, you know, defensively also has has always prided itself on being very very stout defensively, and they've conceded goals in every game, which is why I'm giving the the Whitecaps a goal here because I feel like whether it's it's via set piece or if they're able to find a way to counter and kind of pull Sporting's midfield and defense out of position quickly. Um, that's, you know, that's been successful for teams. Well, Ali, thank you very much for joining us here on episode 48 of the 90 plus podcast. Thanks to our sponsors as well. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USO and US soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league, squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit at IcarusFC.com. Thank you, Ali, for joining us from Kansas City to preview this upcoming game on Sunday. And thank you as well to Ben Steiner to recap that maybe forgetful night in Minnesota last night. I'm Ben Rigetti at Rigetti Ben on Twitter. You can find the podcast at 90 plus podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Lots of stuff coming out throughout the week as well, especially in these short weeks. You know, we like to pump out some content, but Ali, thank you very much for joining us today. 
Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was fun. Talk to you soon.